this is about creating a more inclusive research recruitment process. And we're aware that there are current processes in many organisations and it's just the possibility, the opportunity to look at the grow materials and then to discuss it as a team and to say, well, I think we could make some changes here. I think we could review and make some adaptations to our current processes. And that's what we're trying to do. You know, as an organisation, we want to you know, identify effective practice, good innovative ideas, hopefully very simple ideas, stuff that can be implemented fairly quickly. Hello everyone, it's Neil Carberry, the REC Chief Executive here. Welcome along to another episode of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. It's nice to get a chance to sit down in the studio because we're flying around the country at the moment on our Greg Savage tour and it's been great to catch up with so many members. We've got about 700 signed up across the two weeks uh, just to hear how things are going and what the challenges are in your business and the energy in those sessions has been absolutely fantastic. So delighted to see you there. If you haven't made it along to the Greg Savage se- uh, uh, sessions. There's lots of other opportunities to get together with uh, peers, colleagues and the REC team coming up. We've got our education uh, sector group on the 28th of September, our healthcare sector group on the 31st of October. We've got our Northern Irish meeting on the 19th of October and the team are in Wales on the 10th of October. So plenty to do there. And of course, if you're going to the Expo, uh, Rec Expo uh, at the beginning of October, our team will be there both days and I'll be speaking and there on the 4th of October so do come over and say hello. Elsewhere across the REC right now, uh, data is uh, coming out in dribs and drabs, certainly looking at the inflation data recently, we might be nearer the top of the interest rate curve than we expected. Certainly clients seem to be a bit more positive on the long term outcome for the outlook for their businesses now than they were earlier in the year. We've seen that in our jobs outlook in the last couple of uh, uh, months. That's coming out on the 27th of September, so do check in on that for the client view and then in early October we'll get our September billings numbers out to you so you can see uh, how the industry is doing more broadly. There's a real sense uh, here that the labour market lags uh, client confidence a little bit. I think we're starting to see just the beginnings of the signs of client confidence returning. Certainly I've done a lot of meetings with other sector federations in the last few weeks and that's what they're reporting about their members' uh, views. The most important survey of our year, of course, is the Recruitment Industry Status Report. Um, That's what gives us our view on all of the big data for the industry. And it's something that's really useful in terms of explaining what we do to politicians, to clients, to to the media. More important than ever this year, of course, because this is the one that we will use during the general election campaign. And I have to tell you, while we've built a really strong relationship with the Labour front bench and with the Conservative front bench, we still have to do an awful lot of explaining of why people choose temporary work and why temporary work is good socially as well as economically with some of those labour front benchers. Filling in the RISA survey is a real way that you can help us to help you across the next year in the general election campaign. And of course, if you fill it in, you get a free copy and it's full of fantastic data. 
Now let's turn to today's uh, discussion uh, with our guest. And one of the things that we focused on an awful lot in the last few years is the changing shape of our labour force, obviously getting a little bit smaller as a result of the baby boomers retiring. But of course, not all of the baby boomers are ready to retire. We are working in a multi-generational workforce, and that's why it's great to uh, pick up today with the Centre for Ageing Better. Delighted to welcome John Kiernan uh, to Talking Recruitment. Uh, John's the Employer Engagement and Network Manager at the Centre for Ageing Better, which is an organisation we at the REC have had a lot to do with over the years, uh, you know, through all sorts of uh, work, like, for instance, uh, our restart programme that we talked with Gareth Parry of Maximus about on a recent episode of the pod. Uh, making the best of our labour force is absolutely critical commercially, as well as uh, socially and ethically. And we've done lots of work over the years with the centre. John uh, has uh, over 25 years experience in business in IT, uh, working on marketing, research and insight. But now at this stage of his career, he's turned his focus to reducing age discrimination in the workplace. John, uh, delighted to have you on the podcast. Welcome along. Thank you, Neil. So before we start, just... uh, Tell people a little bit about the Centre for Ageing Better. What you know? What's the purpose? What do you do? What's the What's the top line of, of what the organisation is trying to achieve? Yeah, excellent question. Um, the top line is really about tackling inequalities in ageing. Um, as a centre, we're focused on a number of areas. So we want to make our homes and workplaces more suitable for us as we get older, uh, as well as building an age-friendly movement to challenge negative attitudes about ageing. It's really about action today for all our tomorrows. Fantastic. And of course, we and you and the CIPD and others have been working together for a long time in terms of uh, just trying to uh, rattle the bars on some of the some of the thinking that maybe exists deeply embedded in HR departments and uh, talent acquisition teams about uh, people as they get uh, as they get older and the amount they still have to give the la- the labour market. Um, a lot of that's come through the 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 good recruitment of older workers uh, project. Tell us a bit about uh the 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 grow project and this new toolkit that you've got coming out yes well the grow project uh, began just before the pandemic in terms of a series of research reports because we wanted to understand the landscape so uh, we commissioned uh, three research reports and they're available on our website and that looks at the landscape for um, employers it uh, tackles it looks at the Um, experiences of older workers and then also specifically looked at uh, job ads Uh, and that very much provided the research foundation Uh, we wanted then to become practical to actually get out there and talk to a group of employers and recruiters and look at ways in which we could design um, some solutions to reduce age bias in the recruitment process and that became the second stage of grow uh, and that was published uh, this summer um, and we have three new tools, uh, one looking at a job ad, one looking at an interview invitation and scheduling form, and one which is looking at the guidance to talk about flexible working with candidates during the process. So those three tools are published, um, and we want to ensure that as many uh, professionals, uh, recruitment professionals, are able to um, access the grow materials, download the templates, and really start to use them and implement them in their own um, sectors and industries, um, and obviously give us give us feedback. But ultimately, it's about reducing um, age bias in the recruitment process for for older workers. And there's a real kind of 
double play here for agency recruiters because obviously you can improve your own performance in terms of uh, thinking uh, about um, where uh, thinking about you know what you can do as a recruiter for your clients, but also it's a great tool for having that conversation with your client about their preconceptions and biases. And you know we talk a lot in. Uh, in the REC about being true consultants uh, with clients, I mean, not, not order takers, helping guide them around the labour pool that's available. And sometimes that will mean having that conversation that goes, um, actually, there's a really good potential pool of candidates or individual candidate here who um, could do the role, has plenty of potential uh, they just happen to be later on in their career. And of course, linked to that, those discussions that y- you might have with any worker, whatever their age now, about you know what's the flexibility offer or the support offer that helps them come in to, uh, come into you. So I think there's a real kind of a real chance here to have some more meaningful conversations. Is that fair? I think that's that's really fair. I mean, at the end of the day, this is about creating a more inclusive research recruitment process. And we're aware that there are current processes in many organisations, and it's just the possibility, the opportunity to look at the grow materials and then to discuss it as a team and to say, well, I think we could make some changes here. I think we could review and make some adaptations to our current processes. And that's what we're trying to do. You know, as an organisation, we want to you know, identify effective practice, good innovative ideas, hopefully very simple ideas, stuff that can be implemented fairly quickly and then um, help and support organizations with uh, that impact so we realize that you know since the pandemic particularly there's been you know a lot of interest um, in terms of trying to attract and retain old workers and our focus is really people you know 50 plus um, and the ability for those people to um, still be employed to provide their skills, their life experience skills, technical skills, knowledge skills, knowledge of the sector, the wider environment. It all could be really valuable in 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 really giving um, an organisation, you know, their 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 time, their value, um, and it's the ability again for organisations to tap into that. Um, I mean, the other aspect to this is is really, you know, that the older workforce is is re- already a reality and. We're with demographic changes, you know, the more innovative and um, the more um, organisations that are at the leading edge of making some changes, they'll reap the benefits in getting, you know, the, the you know good quality old workers uh, who could really make an impact on um, their ideas, you know, and in terms of their their bottom line. Ah, you're playing my tune now, John, <laughs> on the basis that um, I talk a lot about the demography in the UK labour market. Um, uh, at the moment, and I think some yeah, we get we get kind of a big overplay of the effects of Brexit and things like that, which are you know they have substantial effects. Biggest single effect on labour supply is the fact that the generation born in the fifties and sixties is just much bigger than the generations that followed it, um, and therefore in an environment of a tight labour market, we want to hold on to them in the labour market for as long as we possibly can. Um, and because, because, because just commercially supply is tight. So there's a kind of a deep commercial reason for people to be thinking about workers in, in, in later career here as well. 
I was going to ask you about, you referenced the original uh, Grow work being just before the pandemic, and I can remember uh, some of the activities that we did with the centre back then about that. Um, what do you think the 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 path of the last three years has taught the centre about kind of how to um, uh, about how to make sure that you're effective with the work you're doing in Grow? Because obviously we've we've been been through a, a heck of a uh, of a throwing over of the table in terms of how work exists. You know, hybrid working, the pandemic, all, all of that. As things settle back. Are there are there different things on your agenda as a centre to achieve with Grow, or are there um, lessons that you've learned that maybe we you didn't appreciate back at the time of the original research report that are are becoming more important now? Yeah, it's a good question. I joined the centre just at the start of the pandemic in in 2020. Um, So I joined when they were starting to think about um, the commissioning and the um, ongoing progress with the the first phase of GROW. And I see it as very much um, something that the centre was, you know, still is very good at which is evidence gathering so the ability to get you know good robust evidence looking at the sort of wider marketplace and then i see that the second phase of grow is about uh, building on that in terms of well i think you have to you have to reach out to the key players the key stakeholders and say does this make sense does it sort of you know you know tune in with your views um and so the ability for us to proactively um attract certainly in the second phase of grow we had a working group of um 16 17 um hr and edni professionals from a variety of organizations and they stayed with us through a process of testing and idea generation um, and getting also impact in, in input from their um other colleagues h um hiring managers and older workers themselves at those organizations and this is all a rich picture in terms of testing and developing um, ideas to reduce ageism, you know, in the recruitment process. So the first phase of GROW provided the evidence. I think the second phase of GROW is about us reaching out to um, organisations and to subject matter experts and saying, you know, does this make sense to you? And now that we've published um, the GROW toolkit, it's, you know, going into overdrive really in terms of, you know, utilising fantastic channels such as the REC um, and, you know, going out to um, employers now and saying, well, having you know, implemented Grow over the, you know, the autumn and, and the latter part of this year, uh, what impact has it made? We're very interested to see you know, what impact um, these tools can have uh, with employers in terms of adapting their recruitment processes and seeing if there's some quick wins. You know, are they getting more people over 50 uh, in that initial um, pool of interested parties wanting to apply for a role? And then how does that go as you go through the various stages of recruitment? And hopefully, you know, more over 50 is a successful uh, in particular role. So we're very keen to go out there, test the water, talk to more and more people, small, medium, large, different sorts of sectors, and seeing do these tools you know have an impact you know what could what's had an impact so far for you and what could be made better because we're going to continue with this work uh, over the next um, few years in terms of looking at um, how do we again you know increase the amount of um, economically active 
um, over 50s because that's so so important as you said in terms of um, you know the workplace and the whole national economy. I think that that is fascinating and you mentioned the tools earlier on but that piece around having you know, first things first this is a business issue uh, uh, question first and foremost you know mentioned your backgrounds in uh, the IT sector um, the work's been put together by a group of people who are working in organizations it's not the kind of thing that's being handed down from from outside the economy it's about how we we move things forward and that's why that that process that you describe of the tools following through the process of you know how do you write the template for the advert uh, you know uh, how are you engaging in scheduling on interviews and then how are you talking about flexible working those are kind of critical stages of a of a of a natural process and um, when when we when you're thinking about kind of outreach now you talked about wanting to hear from firms about the effectiveness of the tool what what sort of comes next in in this campaign because it's out there and clearly this and another other things you're doing and we're doing and others are doing is marketing the tools exist and hopefully that gives us some of that he- head of steam that that you've just uh mentioned john but um you know, what happens next you know, how does this campaign grow from here that's a that's an excellent question it's it's almost like um predicting the future but it's um really trying to as said spread the awareness of the tool i mean they're free tools they're available from uh, the aging better website from the uh, grow web pages there and we have a separate pdf so you want to give time for that to um, build awareness and people to actually uh, go to the site and start to look at the tools and they, they provide um, an example and a template version for for people to download um, and also the ability to um, spread the word through my own work in terms of uh, engaging um, trade associations and membership bodies uh, for particular sectors. Um, I'm doing that as part of a wider role because we have a an age-friendly employer pledge campaign. So the Grow toolkit in terms of good recruitment practices will increasingly become part of that wider campaign where we're encouraging more and more employers to sign up to a pledge. Um, again, it's a free pledge and it demonstrates that you, you want to you know start the journey you know you're committed to um, being an age-friendly employer uh, and really that's how we see grow develop after the autumn in terms of you know reaching out to employers through um, our online um, connections and then through trade events um, because it's obviously it's, it's good that we're now getting face to face and it's good to spread the word through um, organizational trade events and also any sort of newsletters and um, other marketing that's associated with those but really it's partly to then look at next year and to see okay in terms of being an age-friendly employer so it's a bit bigger than just recruitment you know what are the things that we could do uh, and so I'll be campaigning as the employer engagement manager um, in terms of getting more organizations signed up to our pledge where I'm then able to um, spread the word um, to more organisations um, and to increase that as we move through 2024. We already have over uh, 210 organisations that have signed the pledge and they represent, in terms of their workforce, about 350,000, which is amazing. Super. Um, 
So we want to just keep on campaigning as part of being an age-friendly employer. Recruitment is such a huge part of this. It's the key um, because once mm. you gain people um, in the organization, um, then it's all about understanding you know, what, what their needs are and hopefully retaining them. So um, it will continue to grow with, <laughs> sorry for the pun there as well, um, in terms of the age-friendly employer pledge. And then the second part is we'll be doing an evaluation. Um, so like a good uh, charitable organization, we're very keen to understand uh, how is it working? So we'll be starting the evaluation process uh, with an independent evaluator, and they'll be contacting organisations that have had time to download and use the use the toolkit and say, is it making an impact? Um, what are you seeing? What would you like to see? So plenty more next steps as we move across the next six months, really. Fantastic. And I think that piece around um, practical on the front line trying to change things slowly. I mean, I, I, one of the, we, we, as I mentioned earlier in the pod, we were talking to Gareth Parry of Maximus about uh, the work we've been doing on the restart programme with them on um, uh, bringing long-term unemployed people back into work uh, in a recent episode. And, and one of the things that sings out from this that also sang out from that is you know the biggest single barrier is getting a human being over the threshold of an employer's workplace because actually once you get them in there those preconceptions fall away and people start to you start dealing with an individual and their capabilities and the support they need and the contribution they can make and once you're there you're you're already winning i think yeah i in in grow in the first phase we had a research project looking at the experiences of older people with recruitment we had a lot of verbatim i love looking at, i mean data is good but i love looking at people's statements because you can understand sometimes the frustration and it was the statements that really sort of made um you know that really rang true for me were those that said you know oh, i have the skills they're looking for um it's great when I can get to that face-to-face -face interview environment because I can demonstrate my value. It's just hard before then. Um, and so you can understand the frustration in terms of some steps of the recruitment process where they believe that there's, you know, um, age bias occurring um, and that once they're able to get past that and, you know, provide an impressive um, performance in an interview in terms of addressing the people specification and the, the job specification, their skills and their value, then you feel, you know, you feel so proud in terms of, yes, that's what you want to do. And so I think you're right. It's when you get across that threshold and you're able to actually meet, you know, either online or in a, you know, face-to-face environment that people start to think, uh, right, that could be very, very useful in terms of this role and also expanding this role and um, your ability to, you know, perhaps interact with other members of the team. And just this whole thing about this, there was some research some years ago, I think by the OECD, where, you know, multi-generational teams do have an impact on innovation and productivity i think it's just over one percent which sounds very small but you think actually that could translate into you know still quite a substantial amount of money in terms of new ideas so it is that ability to get across the threshold and then you are developing that wider more diverse pool you get a multi-generational team and it's having an impact in terms of innovation productivity new ideas uh, which i think is again really refreshing for for many organizations so probably you've walked into the the last question there john which is i i think stats and the commercial arguments get it so far but what really makes a difference is stories 
So give me one or two of your best examples of what happens when this works well. You know, what's the transformation for the individual, for for the organisation uh, that, that you've observed at the centre? Well, I think um, like most organisations, you know, we have seen the impact of older workers joining the centre. So what we call midlife and older, 50 plus and older, of which I am one. Um, and it is that ability to feel as though you're able to provide a fresh impact in a new organization um so my own story is i i worked for a long time in in telecoms and it and i believe that that was my sector and i think that's uh that's an interesting one in terms of uh, midlife and old workers where they feel as though they're tied to a sector and i think it's the ability to then have that new thinking and to break out into a new area in this case it was a you know the charity found you know the charity sector um and have an impact and people can you, you see that in other people's eyes you think yeah yeah that's 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 really good you know in terms of you must be bringing that from your previous experience your life experience in terms of you know connecting with people or new ideas about how we could approach things new ways of you know looking at project management and so on so i think the center itself is a good example in terms of we're encouraging you know obviously more older workers to 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 join the center as part of our overall uh, process and we've seen that in in other stories as well we just just very briefly we had a great uh, project um member which was um our member for grow which was lincolnshire Cobb, and they had a recent national article in the guardian where they highlighted on two workers in their in their store there there were over 50 and again just bringing um again a fresh uh, look at um how they could um embrace you know life on the on the retail you know retail shop floor um so it it brought uh, benefits, you know, in terms of financial benefits, in terms of personal benefits, and certainly the um, experience of, of Linkage Carp was that it really is a putting, um, you know, grow into practice. Um, and hopefully putting that you know the pledge into practice in in later months as well. It's that ability to uh, actually see happy, smiley faces um, in the workplace um, again as part of that multi-generational team. Fantastic, John. That is a really great place to to draw it together because I think this is about and not just thinking about the moral and ethical uh, strengths of taking action, but the economic and practical strengths as well. And the Lincolnshire Co-op example is a is a really great one because, of course, so much work in retail is uh, physical on the shop floor, um, and demonstrating what can be done in that space is really important. If people want to find out a little bit more about the centre and access the the guides, how do they do that, John? Yeah, I mean, if you just put in um, Centre for Aging Better on your search engine, then we'll come up. And if you put in Good Recruitment for Older Workers, uh, you can also see the Grow Report through that. Uh, but if you connect with the centre, you know, through our website, you'll see, you know, the new toolkit um, and you can access that and many other materials for free. And there's some, some really good supporting materials on a whole range of, of workplace and employment issues. Um, and obviously, then they can connect uh, with myself and the team uh, through the uh, employer pledge um, email address um, at the bottom of the, um, the Grow and the workplace areas on, on the web page. Fantastic, John. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. 
And thank you to all of you for joining us uh, today on this episode of Talking Recruitment. I hope you've enjoyed this chat about what we can be doing to improve uh, the attraction and engagement of uh, midlife and older workers in the uh, in the labour force. Big story in our uh, September uh, uh, report on jobs was still seeing, despite lower demand overall, still seeing lots of sectors which were experiencing really, really tight labour markets. And of course, this you know, either uh, redeployment of workers from other sectors, training of workers, a broader pool of candidates, all of those are ways of resolving that in some of those big st- uh, sectors like manufacturing, engineering, uh, logistics, um, uh, hospitality, where we're definitely seeing a really tight time. If you've enjoyed this uh, chat with John, do check out some of our other recent episodes. The, this one sits as a bit of a twin. We've already mentioned it with our discussion with Gareth Parry of Maximus about the restart program. But before that, you could have a look at episode seven with Hung Lee on the future balance of technology and uh, individual consultants uh, and uh, and their role in our industry, or episode 16 with Emily Summerhays, looking at the importance of building strong relationships in uh, uh, in taking your recruitment business forward. So plenty to dig into there if you uh, if you haven't quite uh, had enough of our po- uh, of our podcast just yet today. Thank you again for joining us. Thanks to John for joining us. Do look forward to speaking to you again on another episode of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. Well, thanks again to John for joining us on today's episode of the podcast. Really fascinating discussion, touching on a lot of things that are relevant to uh, uh, to client businesses and to our own businesses uh, as the workforce reshapes. Uh, do take a look online at that Grow Toolkit. And thank you to you for joining us as well. If uh, we haven't quite sated your appetite for podcasts yet, the last episode uh, of the podcast, episode 18 for 2023, was with Gareth Parry of Maximus looking at the Restart programme which is helping to place people into work from long-term unemployment and growing the labour force in a really interesting way. Or episode 17 on recruitment and technology and the skills recruiters need with Hung Lee is a fantastic listen as well. So do dig into those if you haven't uh, yet had your fill. And I'll finish by saying thank you again for joining us. And uh, I'll talk to you again on another episode of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. Thank you for listening today. I hope you took away some valuable thoughts from this discussion. If you'd like to hear more, head to rec.uk.com forward slash talking recruitment or follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. Simply search Talking Recruitment to find us.